Hey guys, welcome to another episode of MC Anime. MC here. We got fellow co-host Leah. How's it going? It is going awesome. The day is done. I have powered through. It's been it's been good. So oh yeah, I am excited to talk about today's topic. Uh, I know you love history, and mm-hmm. I I enjoy religion. So we can we can really get into this one today. Oh yeah, and uh, for anyone that doesn't know what we're doing. We're doing Asian studies, Japan, and Shintoism. So what that means, we're going to do Shintoism is uh, Japan's, I guess, first religion, I guess? Yeah, essentially it's, their first religion, yeah, their first documented religion. Yeah, it's not a national religion, but it is like a very pivotal religion in Japan, Japanese culture. Yes, you got Buddhism, yes, you have Christianity, but Shintoism is what the shrines are, the different maidens, the, like, different deities that you go to. Everything that you've seen kind of in anime. The gateways. Um, yeah. All of them, a lot of these stuff, anime takes a lot of reference from, like, the Japanese gardens in real life could be some yeah. of what Shintoism is, the bridge scene. There's like different things that you have to know about Shintoism. So let's yeah. jump into it. What's your take on uh, Shintoism? Um, I think it would be kind of like the, the OG religion with, um, within mm-hmm. Japan in the way that it's kind of set up where you have Mm-hmm. multiple gods that you're going to pray to the whole yeah. the whole name of shinto is uh the way of kami which yep. is the way of the divine the way of gods so i i do love that i think it is still very um reflective of how i think most of the world thought when it came to their first religion which is we need to be like these greater beings that created mm-hmm. us and that's why we're here so seeing how the japanese people still use it kind of within their, their social structure um, and the way that it's represented still in anime as a very fixture in their communities. Mm-hmm. I think that's really cool. Oh, yeah. um, so there are some old religions that just kind of get lost uh, or there isn't much teachings known yeah. on them, but this one has lasted throughout the time. And uh, to contrary belief, Buddhism was introduced in 6th century. But however, Shinto or Shintoism there's no founder, no official scriptures in the strict sense, but it's, it's like a guiding belief throughout the ages. So it's like a belief system to many deities that, you know, just happen to be a deity of the local shrine or maybe this deity of war, you know, one show that, you know, is really notorious for this, Noagami. They do really well with, like, the different deities and the different types of, uh, you know, gods, per se. You know, even though it's animated, but it still has a lot of very Shinto-originated beliefs and the structure. They explain yeah. it in an anime scene really and well. And movie, movie-wise, you can also watch Spirited Away. Yeah. which has um, a lot of figures and folks from mm-hmm. Shintoism involved in it and the way that the story is told and the lessons from it. That's another great one. And an anime classic, if you haven't seen um, it. You know, there's, there's, there's more anime that focus on it more, and there's just some anime that reference it, but not actually, like, in deep lore. But, you oh, know... No. Yeah. yeah. Shintoism is traditionally religious practices... Life attitudes that are recorded with practices. Um, it's uh, it's very important in social life, and the pattern of philosophy. Mm-hmm. Um, think of it like uh, how we have uh, like in here in North America, we have certain holidays where like if there's New Year's, make a New Year's resolution. If it's um, like eleven eleven at night, maybe you make a wish. It's not, a, it's not a holiday. It's just something you can do. But in Japan, they have specific reasons why they go to these shrines. And it's mainly for personal motivation um, or influence. So you're going to pray for something that you're asking the God for. 
whether that be revenge on your enemy or mm-hmm. more money so you can like prosper your business or more wisdom or love, you yeah. this is where you would go and you would dedicate your time to it. And so uh, deeply internet connected with the value system, uh, way of thinking and acting. Mm-hmm. So another brush off going to the shrine to wish you good fortune or advice in this particular area or bring despair to the enemies that belong to you or you know, whatever it, it is, you go to the shrine as a way of repetition and routine. So there's like special days of the year that you will go to the individual shrines for individual purposes. And each one has a particular interest that's surrounding it, like the New Year's, the New Year's resolution, uh, the you you know, repeating what I literally just said. Huh? You just said exactly what I said. Sorry, that was funny. Um, go ahead. You also have like smaller shrines, like your your personal shrine of your family, your ancestors being important as well. So it really branches out which type of shrine that you're going to. Uh, some are very small, like in the house. Others can be an entire landscape, blocks and blocks full of it. So it just depends. Mm-hmm. You know, we have three different uh, Shinto beliefs that we can classify the religion in. We have the Shrine Shinto, the Secular Shinto, and the Folk Shinto. And uh, yeah. Shrine Shinto is what we just like covered. As one particular area, uh, it's from been... from the start till now, yeah, it's the it's the oldest one. Yeah. Um. State next State. up, yeah, state Shinto, and that one would seem like it was a mix of like religion and state during the time because the imperial family. So the same way we have separation of church and state over here, mm-hmm. um, it's like the opposite of that. Yeah. So state Shinto is a combination of them. Yeah, and when you have secular Shinto, it's like a new movement of 13 major sects in Japan, 19th century, much after World War II. So secular, when it became secular during this time, it became its own thing. So it's like modern belief affecting Shintoism in a way. So it became in modern time. And then you also have folk Shinto. Yeah, so for this one, um, ingrained in folk belief, which makes sense with the name of it, um, but it doesn't have an organizational structure or a a doctrinal formulation. It's just centered around a vernation of small roadside images and then the agricultural rights for rural families. So this is kind of what I imagine when you have a specific God that your family would pray to um, because that person would be giving blessings upon your family. And that's, that's very common. Yeah. Um, yeah. And there, all three of these are interrelated. Yeah. So when you have folk, you have the, it's basically folk Shinto is like the background for Shinto faith. The secular of the sect Shinto is usually what's got it for the follower. And then the follower as a partitioner usually foretakes into the shrine Shinto as well. So it goes yeah. into that order. And a lot of the folk Shinto, a lot of anime dive into the folk Shinto very heavily. You know, the Japanese mythology has a base to folk Shinto. So when you see a lot of anime with like Japanese mythology, Sometimes you can get the folk Shinto revolved into it as well. Yeah, I think the the imagery that comes with folk Shinto helps with that. You can create a lot of characters or a lot of influence when you have a visual representation and a visual medium. You have your kappas and Oganda creatures that exist. You know, it's kind of interesting how Shintoism has become a 
integrated piece of the culture. It's really something to appreciate for how integrated it is within the system of belief. I mean, I think it, it is, but it's also, I think, survived because it has these different sects to it. So it's yeah. not just one. It's it's it has flexibility. It has movements. It's had its own kind of miniature revolutions with having the thirteen major sects of um of Shintoism. Like yeah. it it has ebb and flow to it, and I think that helps with the traditional sense. Also in Japan, it kind of moves along with the culture and along with the people. Mm-hmm. But you're still trying to remain the godliness. So having the imagery having the, like, the diversity, and then also having it just be the oldest thing your country's had, it's just going to keep running through forever. Yeah. And, you know, early forms of Shinto to, like, 1900, you know, the Pythiaic and Neolithic ages, uh, none of it was unknown during that time period. Then we also have, like, and then also the religion of the ages have direct with Shinto on this time. The Yaoi, uh, Yei, Yei White culture, Northern Island of Kisho. I think we talked a little bit about that. Uh, mm-hmm. Directly related to Japanese culture, since the name Shinto. So it was basically original rites and shamanism kind of influencing Shintoism as well. Which I think with the fault Shinto comes into play, having these like the rites of passage for oracultural and shaman kind of shifted to the folk Shinto a little bit. Yeah. And I and folks uh folk Shinto was also bigger within rural communities than I think it would yeah. be with the kind of like the formalized government. Mm-hmm. It's a bit I think it I think that also just kind of has like a pride aspect as well. Yeah. You don't you don't want to you don't want people particularly praying just to the god. You will also want them to have loyalty to whatever group is in power. Yeah, and also yeah. another thing that probably helps Shintoism as a religion, it was never made a national religion. It was just the dominant religion. So there's a difference between. A national religion and a dominant religion. Usually the dominant religion just thrives because of so many followers. Or the national religion is more like thinking about it like it's the national religion. You have to do this religion. You have no freedom to do any other religion. Uh, I mean, you can. You can. I would say that the major difference though is that um, with the national religion, most of those are founded by kind of political influences, usually because they're established by the, the government as a national religion. And sometimes it's not even necessarily the biggest religion in the country at that moment. It just may be whatever that ruler, um, you know, mm-hmm. prescribes to that already has a founding. And then it just gets influenced and introduced more and more and more. Um, yeah. yeah, like a crusade. So. Mm-hmm. True. And then we have like uh, all the clan religion and ceremonies, you know. Various places like the fourth century nation with ancestor of the present imperial household as they had in the the unit of society at the time, the UE clan or family. Yeah. Um and so essentially whatever clan or family they probably already had a Ujigami um, that they worshipped, which would be kind of like a guardian deity that they would pray to. So there would be a prayer for um, spring. There would be one for the harvest ceremony because those are the biggest time in which agriculturally you yeah. are, you're getting the benefits of your hard work. Um, yeah. There was also divination, water purification, um, lustration, and ceremon- ceremonial purification. All yeah. of these were kind of like classic Japanese um actions that were taken mm-hmm. um i almost, almost said performance but ceremonies that kind of were done yeah. uh in honor to these deities and to these gods uh yeah. during the early early times 
And, and most you of these were, were directly related to the kami, an uh, object of worship in Shinto and other indigenous religions of Japan, god, lord, or deity, but like forces of nature, both good and evil, superiority or divinity, objects of reference and respect. So, kami was really big in Shinto and how it's like influencing. Which I think is kind of interesting because it, you know, it goes back to religious religious artifacts being the the final focus to what Shinto is. Yeah, and I mean, also in the beginning, like the ancient Shinto, it was polytheistic. So yeah. for that, what it meant is essentially that you didn't just have one god that you could pray to. While both homes did have one particular guardian um, that they had a shrine for in-house, overall, people had multiple gods that they worshipped. Yeah. So the god of the sea, um, one for the wind, one for the sky. We've all heard of these in old folklore tales where it's kind of like a god that controls each aspect of existence. Yeah. Um, and so with this, you had the growth of like creation and judgment. And they also had a, like a tutelary kami uh, mm -hmm. That was kind of like at the core of all of it, which I'm kind of guessing is kind of like a hierarchy yeah. sim um, system, like a caste system. You have your most powerful kami that's at the top, mm -hmm. and then you have the ones that cascade down that do have different yeah. meanings and uses and yeah. purpose, but you probably pray more to yeah. one than the other. And these two so, different rules of the world were like in ancient Shinto as well. Mm -hmm. uh, you have like the Plane of High Heaven, uh, Metal Land, and the Hades, um, the world after death. So it kind of gets kind of interesting when you have like the three dimensional view of Shinto. Uh, you know, the Plane of High, I think that's like where the gods reign, you can be maybe rewarded there. The Middle Land, the present world where it's Earth, and then the Hades which is the world after death. So, like, you know, I don't know. It's it's like the three different levels kind of thing. But, like, most religions have this, like, sometimes I'm I have say, a setup. <laughs> you basically just describe, like, all three settings in, the, like, cartoon Hercules. You have where the gods are. <laughs> and then you have literal Hades. <laughs> like, literal, literally the underworld. Um... <laughs> And I, and I think it's a really common thing because people have, like, that's how you base it also. Mm. If you have these big, mountiful creatures who, like, are beyond human belief and understanding yeah. and they're mystical and that's why they have all the answers, especially in ancient times when there was still much of the world mm. unknown about um, yeah. having these and then having a world where you you go to, maybe where you re-meet with family, um, where you just exist or you're reborn, like all of these things are a consistent thing that you see almost in every religion. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And also, uh, the also variation of this was also uh, two-dimensional, uh, which is this world and the professional country, like the Tokyo-yo. Utopian... Which is close, yeah, to yeah. their capital name for Tokyo. Yeah. yeah. So Tokyo is like Tokyo-yo. I don't know. Uh, that's that was a traditional view, but the three dimensional really becomes the view of the world. Uh, we have mostly the North Siberian and Mongolian uh, shamanistic culture coming out. So the influence from the some of the other countries like Siberia and Mongolia influencing Japan in this in this retrospect. Um, mm. but the two-dimensional view myths, but also the two-dimensional world of view yeah this like the two-dimensional one I think is the one that is easier it's not just easier but most yeah. people subscribe to now it's the more dominant view that people have because it yeah. I think it's just having the present world and then having a utopia world is probably preferable over having to think about the gods yeah. having their own world, present Earth, and then having some afterlife-like 
universe that nobody really knows about. So, yeah, yeah I can see that. Just straight up utopia. And then we also have Chinese uh, influence on Shinto as well. Uh, Confucianism. Japan. It reached Japan in the 5th century CE. And by the 7th century, it spread along the people. Doism and yin-yang, harmony of the two basic forces of nature, kind of interconnected into the culture at that time. And it kind of combined the development of Shinto ethical teachings. Just kind of interesting. You know, like just how you behave. Yeah. Yeah. Discipline was was morally good and morally right, but even in Shintoism, you know, it kind of plays a part with how Shintoism should be ran, how it what is expected, what is not expected kind of thing. Yeah, I think the introduction of other religions and forms of thought also allows for a bit more structure because you have to remember it didn't have any official doctrines. It didn't have an official founder or leader or anything like that. It's not like Mormonism um, or Scientology or some something bizarre where it's like a person came up with it. More, um, actually just more cultural influences kind of aligned it in a new in a new way that wasn't there before which I can definitely see if people were praying to different gods for different things and yeah. introducing kind of a yin and yang and having actual ethical guidelines that you should abide by might be important when you're like praying to a supernatural deity. Um, oh, yeah. So I, I find that I find Confucianism being introduced a good thing. Oh yeah. And then, you know, the introduction of the Confucianism, Taoism, yin yang, we also have the myths come into play. Various clans combining into the pan-Japanese mythology with the imperial household as the centre. You know, the kami of the imperial household and the tutelary kami of powerful clans. So, with this particular thing, we have the pan-Japanese culture with the mythology, with the imperial household at the centre. Um, this particular period is when the myths of the various clans were reorganized into the pan-Japanese mythology. As a result of this kind of trend of the imperial household and the powerful clans, it basically structuralized the system to be very effective because not only are the clans and important, but the actual imperial household being the center of the religion still being impacted as well. Yeah. So there were, because there were a lot of changes. There were the um, the Takai era reforms that were happening around this time. And then there was also this kind of like big push of Shintoism uh, being pushed by the imperial imperial family and government. So 10th century, about 3,000 shrines were throughout Japan um, and they were receiving offerings from the state themselves. And um, as the power of the central government started to decline, the system ceased to be effective. And after the 13th century, there's only a limited number of actual important shrines that were left to receive imperial offerings. So I'm guessing the commies who again were at the top and most important or most important to the family. Mm -hmm. Those ones still got offerings, but the smaller ones, uh, very few of them received anything. And then the, later the on, Meiji 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 era, yeah, in 1968, the old system was revived, and the Meiji Restoration during this time, it went back from the shogun to the emperor. So the emperor was the traditional head of state, but it makes sense that the old system of these offerings to the of the state to be uphold and make new again. So it makes sense in that encounter. Ah, the encounter with Buddhism. Buddhism yeah. in Japan have a really interesting internet history. It's like they didn't like immediately push it away, 
they kind of just like adopted how they do other things. Buddhism is the second most major religion in Japan. So just keep that in mind. And Buddhism was really big in China, so it makes sense. It was yeah. introduced in Japan in 555 uh, CE. And in the 8th century, emerged tendencies to inter- intercept Shinto from a Buddhist perspective and viewpoint. Yeah, so um, at this, so basically they kind of merged them, or not merged, but they they partnered yeah. up. So um, yeah. for Shinto religions were made in Buddhist. Kind of like gave together. Yeah. So yeah. where the um the Buddhist teachings were, where their temples were, you would also find Shinto shrines. Um, which to me is like a great way to. This is how they kind of kept the religion going, is yeah. by having essentially these kind of collaborations hmm. um so you know kami they were made to be equal to devas hmm. or gods within uh the buddhist religion and according to buddhist teachings the deva are said to be undergoing the same suffering within an endless cycle of death and rebirth that all creatures experience which is cool because we did a death and rebirth episode not like mm-hmm. a while back yeah um mm-hmm. and the uh Undergoing the same suffering basically is like the dukkha, which the dukkha is a form of suffering or sorrow, the true nature of our existence. So that's kind of what that's based off. Means of suppression forms the object of the first sermon. And then uh, we have rebirth, which is the sasmahara, samsara. Indian philosophy, central conception of made of the soul finding itself, the sea of samsara, etc., etc. Right. All creatures' um, of existence we have, therefore, offering to the kami and the Buddhist discipline. You know, temples with the shrine precincts. Kind of form that collaboration that we mentioned. Mm-hmm. Because um, since these shrines were within uh, the temples, what they would do is that they would read uh, Buddhist scriptures to the kamis to give them aid to like help them fight as they're living and dying again and again, um, which is a big a big staple within Buddhism. Um, and then when the eighth century came along, late into it. Kami went from being thought of as kind of just gods or deities to now also being able to be reincarnated as avatars or as living people, uh, these uh, these Buddhas who were enlightened individuals who had like achieved liberation from samsara. So they had broken they had broken the train of death and rebirth and were able to come into the world and give teachings um, and give enlightenment to others. Yeah. Yeah. This is where uh, Bodhisattva Fata Buddhist to be. Yeah, were given to Kami. Buddhist statues were placed in the Indo sanctuaries of Shinto shrines. Uh, Buddhist priests were also in charge of the management of Shinto shrines. So the the maintenance from the shrines itself were taken care of by the Buddhist priests. So and, you know, the shrines of Shinto can be, like, really easy to maintain. But there's not, like, some of them can be really small. So with the Buddhist monastery and the shrine right next to it kind of mean that they were taken care of since Buddhism had, like, a bigger temple kind of thing. So um, integrating yeah. the old system back and then Buddhism being the front foothold Kind of makes it really interesting how Shintoism still is like the traditional, well, the one of the older religions of Japan, but kind of also sees how Buddhism took hold too. Kind of weird. Yeah. And then going forward through the Kamakura period, um, there were theories of Shinto Buddhism 
um, agglomation that were formulated. The most important of the centric schools to emerge was uh, Ruba or dual aspect Shinto and Sano, king of the mountain, which is a common name that was given to one of the guardian deities of yeah. Buddhism. Um, so Sano Shinto. So these two kind of schools emerged once we got into, you know, uh, the 1100s, the yeah. 1300s. Yeah. According to Raibo Shinto, also called Shingon Shinto, the two ones of the universe in Shingon Buddhist correspond to Kami Amarasu, Omikami, and uh, Taikuk Okikami, enshrined as the uh, Isaiah Dai Jinju, the Grand Shine. Shrine of Insu Kami, okay. In the middle of the prefecture. Yeah, so uh, the theorists of the Sanso Shinto, they were also called uh, the Tendai Shinto, um, interpreted the Tendai belief uh, to be central, absolute truth of the universe. So the foundations of Buddhist nature, all of that, was being the equivalent um, to you know, what was a concept in Shintoism of a sun goddess, Amatsuru, uh, who was the source of the Yumu. Amaterasu. What? Amaterasu. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Amaterasu is the source of the universe. It's kind of like, uh, you see Amaterasu, you see it, you kind of think of flames. Uh, Naruto has Amaterasu, is like black flame. But with Amaterasu, oh, that's why you know how to say it. And the sun goddess in here, the giant fire. The sun is a giant fireball, so Amaterasu is remnants of the fire. You know, the great deity, uh, immuning heaven. Imperial claims to send an important Shinto deity. The high celestial plane also. Kind of, yeah, it's kind of interesting. Towards the universe. Yeah, and also this also goes back to fire being a symbol for life, as well. Uh, it kind of goes back to the sun gives us warmth. The sun warms the universe, and without the warming of the planet, we will not have the atmosphere that we have to sublimate the weather, the rainfall, all this other stuff that's like we take for granted because of the sun. This different season change, etc., etc., is pointed to the All life comes the from the sun. Yeah. Yes. Source of the universe. Um, so, with these two sects, they brought it together like a certain esoteric Buddhist rituals uh, mm-hmm. to Shinto. So again, more things are being packed into the Shinto religion that weren't really there before. Um, and Buddhist Shinto was popular for several centuries and was influential until it was extinguished in the Meiji Restoration. So, yeah, so it was really good for Buddhistic Shinto to exist. But after the Meiji Restoration, we kind of have a reaction that, wait a second, Buddhism and Shinto are separate ideals. So that's kind of where this is playing at. Do uh, we have the Shinto reaction against Buddhism? Shinto was first a theoretical school of anti-Buddhist Shinto. Uh, Aizei or Watari attempted to exclude Buddhist exceptions and tried to formulate a, a pure Japanese version. Yeah, because you have to remember that there came a point in time um, within Japan, where there was a lot of focus on being purely Japanese and having Japanese influence and in culture. So while there were outside influences, there was also, there came finally a time where Japan started to push back on Chinese influence, um, not only with Buddhism, but also with politics and things of that nature, to establish something that was more just just made and influenced by Japanese people for Japanese people rather than it being influenced yeah. kind of by foreigners. Yeah, and then also Watoi Shinto uh, 
the 13th century reaction against the Shinto views an occupation, Tantan or chaos or Kaizen, the non-being was the basic comedy of the universe or a toy. It was regarded the basics of all beings, including the Buddhas and Bodhisattvas. Uh, purification had been practiced since the time of ancient Shinto, given much deeper spiritual meanings like the Sho- Shojiki, uprightness to righteousness, and prayers in which it was united with Kami. Yeah, so this is where I think you'll see more of um, like meditation and constant prayer being implemented rather than just gift giving. Um, yeah. Which again, just adding a bit more structure. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Yoshida Shinto, it was a school in Kyoto that emerged in the 15th century and it inherited various um, aspects that came down from the Wataru Shinto school and it showed some Taoist influence. The school doctrines were largely um, the work of Yoshida Kanetomo, Kanetomo um, who was born in like 1435. And essentially the fundamental kami, so the source of all things in the universe, uh, was Taigen Shojin or the great exalted one. And for some reason throughout Shinto, you see that the whoever they're calling the being of the universe, the name does change depending on what yeah. the influence is. Yeah. yeah. It's like, well, you know, <laughs> Shinto. I don't know. Shinto takes so many variations. So just note that this is how it existed. This is how it keeps being a main focus of the culture because there's different forms, different variations. And you can say that this is like different denominations of Shinto, but it's all Shinto. It, yeah. Instead of like denominations like Baptist, Methodist, and any other branch, it's like it's just been Shinto the entire time. It's just a different type of Shinto. Mm-hmm. And we also have the interpurification of the mystery state of mind, which we're all purified, in which one is worshipped the kami that live in one's own heart. Although the Watari and Yoshida schools were thus free of Buddhistic theories, the influence of Chinese thought was still present. So they couldn't really rid out uh, they rid out Buddhist theory, but still the Chinese influence still played a major role. That's not as heavy as it did with the Buddhist Shinto. Yeah. Which then um, it brought it into the new era that was known as Neo-Confucian Shinto. Because, again, they couldn't completely get it out. And as things changed, um, with culture and with teachings and history, that, that held the same for Shinto. So in 1603, um, the Togugawa Shogunate was founded in um, Edo, which is now Tokyo. And the contact between Shinto and Confucianism was resumed. It started right back up. So scholars who tried to interpret Shinto from the standpoint of neo-Confucianism, um, ethical music um, movement that happened in China, and the emphasis was the unity of Shinto and Confucian, te- Confucian teachings that the school based off the teachings of philosophers like um, ooh, what is that? Shaozi? Shaozi. I know I said that wrong. And um, Wang Yangming, who were big players, I guess, in Neo-Confucianism, and yep. it became the um, essential study, the main study for warriors, which is which is mm-hmm. so strange, so strange to think of, like the way of the universe, the way of the gods, um, being combined with Neo-Confucianism and then being taught to the soldiers is a very <laughs> interesting thought. Yeah. Uh, the interpretation to traditional Henry's from the handed down from Motori Shinto each established new school. We have the Taiji, which is the supreme ultimate concept of the new Confucianism, was regarded as identical with the first Kami, uh, Neo Shoko or Nianji Chronicles of Japan. Uh, we have Yusika Awa's theory, emphasis on political philosophy. Imperial virtues, wisdom, benevolence, and courage. Uh, 
symbolized by the Sanju no Shiki, Three Sacred Treasures. That section sounds really familiar. Uh, ethics as loyalty, priority, piety, consists of the way to rule the state. Yamasiki Anzai further developed the tendency and advocated both mythical pietism and ardent emperor worship, which gets into the transition of the Fuku Shinto. So what you'll notice with Shinto history is that there seems to be a big tug-of-war that is common in a lot of phases of Japanese history where they start to have an influence of um, outside sources, especially China. And then you'll see new people come in from the next generation that try and pull it back to being primarily mm-hmm. Japanese. And then it'll go back to a mix with Chinese culture and then back to Japanese. And that's the same for Fuku Shinto. Um, it was a restoration or revival of Shinto that um, was a national school um, for the end of the 17th century. Basically, they felt that the norms of Shinto shouldn't be found within Buddhism or Confucianism. It should be found within the um, life attitudes, the way that people behave of their ancestors that was kind of clarified by um, physiological study of the Japanese classics. So again, just making it more focused on Japanese people and the way that they live their lives and structure their lives rather than being influenced um, by neighboring countries. Yeah. Yeah. And then we also have like Motoi no Noagaga. Uh, it's also another school, 1730 to 1801. Uh, emphasis on the belief of Mushi, the mythical power of becoming or of creation. Uh, which had been popular in ancient Shinto, and then worldly, really of life, internal process of the world, ever-changing mutations. Okay, that's is interesting. Uh, beliefs together with the inclination of respect for the imperial line and teaching, absolute faith, all problems beyond human capability, turn of the kami, kami, exercise great influence on Modern Shinto doctrines. Um, so basically with Fuku Shinto, this gave kind of like power back to the imperial family, the royal line, by having yep. people have a respect and honor for them. And then also basically uh, saying that whatever troubles we have in this life, we are handing them over to this to our God, to, um, to whatever God is in existence that we are putting all of our energy into, whichever one we're respecting, that's the one who's going to handle whatever we're going through. So because of that, um, Motori, who was the most important successor, um, I'm sorry, so the most important successor of Motori was Hirata Adasuntane um, mm-hmm. from the 17th century. Uh, so there was an influence of, of the Roman Catholic Church teachings with some respects. Um, these were derived from the Jesuits of China writings and advanced by the idea of the creator God and the retribution for like ethical and religious failings um, in another world. So not in ours, but in another one. Um, yeah. And they weren't really accepted into the main current of Shinto. They were a bit too far off um, to be respected within Shinto primarily. Um, but they developed physiological studies that started with Matori and were trained many capable disciplines that trained many capable disciplines to go forward and kind of keep spreading the word. And also during this time, uh, Jesuits were trying to convert native populations uh, of Asia to Christianity. So the Wolfman Catholic were like missionaries sent to convert people. It actually ended up backfiring because they accepted the teachings, but as traditional Jesuit teachings are, either you convert wholly or you don't convert at all. They didn't like they were taking their ancestral gods to put with the Jesuits. Mm-hmm. And the spiritualists for the emperor, just the spirits, ancient Shinto, many supporters. And again, Meiji Restoration is part of this. 
this is where we get the uh, sect Shinto, uh, 19th century, new religious movements in range of the social confusion and rest of the people, uh, different Wiley, mountaintop worship, half Buddhist, half Shinto, uh, purification and aesthetic practices, and then we also have the combined Confucian and Shinto teachings. It's just a mess. <laughs> yeah, it was now a, it was a lot going on. It was, now they just don't know what to do now. When there's multiple religious movements, I could see why. Um, and so there were there were several that happened during this time, and they were mostly based on the individual religious experiences that were aimed at healing diseases or spiritual salvation. So these were more so um, kind of man-led evolutions to the religion. And these um, sectarian Shinto groups, numbering around 13 at the Meiji period, uh, they were stimulated and influenced by the Restoration Shinto. And they can kind of be broken down um, in these different sects of Revival Shinto sect, Confucianism sect, Purification sect, Mountain Worship sects, and then... Um, faith healing. Yeah, so those were the five get... main divisions. And then the other 13 of like maybe subdivisions or like sub teachings that were maybe like stayed strolling to Japan or something like, you know, stuff like that. Um, yeah. Shinto has no founder. Uh, Japanese people and Japanese culture can wear themselves. Shinto is already there. No official scripture that can be prepared to the Bible and Judaism and Christianity or the Quran, Islam. Uh, we have the Koraiki, records of ancient matters, and the Nihon Shoku, Chronicles of Japan, or the sacred books of Shinto. So these are like 1712 and 17 CE, oral traditions of ancient Shinto. Uh, the history, typography, ancient Japan, uh, construct Shinto doctrines for themselves by the myths and religious practices they describe. So that's kind of how Shintoism came to be. There was all these different different types of Shinto depending on the period and also the different Buddhism belief, the Chinese belief, the people leading it during this time, the Meiji legislation basically made Shinto more back to the old roots and how the 13 sect Shinto kind of gave it more focus, more organization than already had before. Yeah. Just... It's just a lot. It's, it's a huge religion that's dating back from, I think, when we started with the History Japan episode. They started back at, like, 13,000 um, BCE. So if you're thinking that by the time they became aware of themselves as humans, Shintoism had always been, in, like, instilled in it. And then seeing the variance because of the country growing and fluctuating, um, it's really interesting. And into what it is now and how it's represented now, even in popular media, is also interesting. Because you wouldn't realize that it has such a um, kind of wild path, a very, <laughs> very flowy and changey path. I mean, there's a lot more to Shintoism, but covering the historical perspective of Shintoism and how it came to be is probably more important yeah. in this particular episode. Because uh, this topic can go on and on. That's how deep Shinto was, Shinto is in Japan. How much that it has that historical perspective as the founding, or at least a main chunk of Japanese history. Yeah, so it is, it gets even more interesting, especially as time goes on and more things are kind of fleshed out for it. But knowing yeah. the base roots of it and where it goes and that it still exists, amazing. And so, like, I love 
our little history, our little history corners that we go through, mm -hmm. um, especially for Japanese culture and history. So this was this was actually a really good topic to go off of. Oh, oh yeah, it it it's like I don't know Shintoism. You can dedicate an entire class to it. That's just how much history there is. Oh yeah, <laughs> there there's definitely much more, and this was like a fast skim through of like trying to get through hundreds and hundreds of years, but. If you were to sit down and like really study it, it's going to take you months, probably years, to truly have a, a genuine understanding. Um, and even if you practice it, it, there's still more learning to be done because it's so old. And uh, you know, we talk about noigami and spiritual way, but we also have like mushi mushi being really Shinto oriented anime. Um, Murasasuke is another one. Into the Force yeah. of Fireflies, uh, Natumi's Book of Friends. It's just, you know, there's so many uh, anime that takes influence, especially Mushi Mushi. I love Mushi Mushi. Like, spirits around us, and you have someone that can see them. It just kind of fascinates you a little bit with the supernatural of folk Shinto. So, that kind of what pays homage to that. So, yeah, and I would recommend for people read up more um, in regards to Shinto and more mm -hmm. facts on it, and then go check out animes that have a lot of uh, representation for it because it will be yeah. a lot of fun. And don't forget, Noragami is a great way of the deity shrine Shinto. So we have Noragami with the shrine. We also have Sushi sh Mushi Mushi with the uh, folk. Uh, and the secular part of Shinto, I don't know if there's like a really particular form of that because that's so new. So, uh, I'm sure you could find something or a show that has it represented in some way. Yeah. It might not be completely on the nose, but it'll probably draw from a lot of themes. I can definitely see that. Yeah. Okay. So that pretty much wraps up of Asian studies, Japan, and Shintoism. Uh, thank you for watching this particular episode as we try to discuss maybe Shintoism and touch on the historical perspective and how it came to be. Absolutely. Thank you guys for listening, and we will see you on the next episode. We have a few things to plug. Mason, if you want to go through all of them. Yeah. And, uh, and don't forget, you, if you want to support the podcast, we're on social media, and you can find us on Facebook at Blog MC Anime. Uh, Twitter's Mason Colon, that's Twitter name. Also, you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, Spotify, Radio, and then don't forget to support us on Patreon. We have the MC Animator tiers already made, blog ideas, podcast all. All the Nine Yards guest special guest appearance. It's on there to support us, so please stop by there. Thank you for supporting us, and please subscribe to the podcast where you can find podcasts near you. Thank you so much. See you guys. Bye.